Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and each week I try to open up the scriptures to provide insights into God's Word for us. Although I come from a Christian tradition, I hope that what I have to say will be meaningful for you, no matter what faith tradition you come from, or if you don't identify with any faith tradition at all. You know, it's been a long, difficult winter. The isolation that most of us have experienced because of the global pandemic has taken its toll physically, mentally, and spiritually. One hopeful sign is that this coming week we begin the celebration of Lent, the six-week period that culminates with Easter. And that means that spring, the message of new life, both through the Easter message of resurrection, lengthening days, and new life sprouting in nature, is on the horizon. In my sermon this week, I'm going to be talking about Shrove Tuesday, also known as Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras in French, which comes the day before Ash Wednesday, the official start of Lent. I'll begin by looking at the historical origins of Mardi Gras before I go on to talk about its religious and spiritual significance for us. First, we turn to Matthew 6 and a text associated with Lent. In it, Jesus tells his disciples how they should behave as humble children of God. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got some bad news for y'all if you're planning to head to New Orleans next week to celebrate Mardi Gras. There will be no parades, no mobs of revelers lining the streets throwing beads, and no packed bars or restaurants serving up red beans and rice along with helpings of jazz and booze. A limited number of restaurants who do offer outdoor dining will not be able to serve drinks in go cups, and there will be no retail alcohol sales on Tuesday. Major streets will be barricaded and restricted to residents and people heading to their hotels. 
In other words, New Orleans has rolled up the welcome mat this year. These drastic actions are to prevent another super spreader event, which resulted from the unregulated Mardi Gras last year and cost hundreds of lives to COVID. In response to the anger generated by the closures, Mayor Latoya Cantrell said, I'd rather be accused of doing too much than doing too little. She added, of course, Mardi Gras isn't canceled because that's a religious holiday. Most of us tend to forget the religious significance of Mardi Gras. Most of the things we associate with Mardi Gras celebrations, such as wildly decorated floats, drinking, orgiastic partying, and other hedonistic behaviors are the opposite of religious. I remember one year during Lent, I was greeting people at the church door as they left worship, and a 10-year-old girl came up to me, and she and her parents had just returned from a family trip to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And she proudly showed me the beads around her neck, and to the mortification of her mother gushed, and we didn't even have to lift up our shirts or anything. Just goes to show that even kids have a worldly, to put it mildly, understanding of what Mardi Gras has come to be about. These behaviors are more like spring break than a sacred holiday. But as the mayor of New Orleans reminds us, this is still a religious holiday. So let's talk about that. Mardi Gras traditions were imported from France in the 18th century. The first celebrations took place in Mobile, Alabama, and then spread to Biloxi, Mississippi, before finally taking hold in New Orleans. Mardi Gras in French translates to Fat Tuesday. Since Roman Catholics fasted and abstained from meat during Lent, which begins the following day on Ash Wednesday, dishes such as pancakes, donuts, and beignets were prepared in order to use up all the animal fat and other rich ingredients, which would be forbidden, forbidden for the next few weeks. In the Lutheran Church I most recently served, as in many others, the youth sponsored a pancake dinner on Tuesday night. The real purpose of the Mardi Gras is to provide a time for serious reflection. Christians make a special point of self-examination, of considering what wrongs they need to repent, and what changes they need to make in life or areas of spiritual growth they need to ask God's help in dealing with. Cleaning up the leftover goodies is a side benefit. Most of us, especially those of us who are not Roman Catholic, will probably not be seeking out a priest or a clergy person for a formal personal confession and absolution of our sins this week. Now, that doesn't mean that the practice of inward reflection on our shortcomings and thinking about how we can more faithfully live our lives is without meaning. It would be profitable for us to take some time on that day to prepare ourselves from the serious time of Lent that leads up to Easter. A common phrase that churches often use in the rite of confession is, we confess our sins to God, the things that we have done and things that we have left undone. These are sometimes called sins of commission, things we have done, and omission, things we have left undone. The things that we have done part probably gets most of our attention. Then I'm going to look at 
examples of both. In the reading that we heard from Matthew, Jesus has told his followers not to make a big show of their acts of piety or good works or confession. He says, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. These matters are between you and God, ultimately. Try to take some private time on Tuesday or whenever it's convenient for you, and have a frank conversation with God. You may want to have a pen and piece of paper handy to remind you later of that conversation. First, consider the things that you believe that you've done wrong in the past year. In other words, think about how you've sinned. These may include things that you have done to hurt other people. Maybe you've harmed someone physically. Using physical violence, never acceptable. It's wrong. Verbal attack or abuse can be just as damaging. It's also possible to sin simply through thoughts that we have. And when we sin, we can carry guilt that we need to rid ourselves of, even if we haven't acted on the things that are burdening our souls. And we can refer to sins of thought, word, and deed. After you've come up with your list, make a confession before God. Kneel down and say, I confess that I have sinned against you and others by, and then name your sins. Then say, for these things I ask your forgiveness. This is between you and God. But in so doing, you may feel the need to confess to and ask forgiveness of someone you've wronged or harmed. Another alternative would be to seek out a clergy person, such as a priest or pastor, to hear your confession and grant absolution. But if you deal honestly with your sins, you may find yourself confronted with some difficult moral choices. Many years ago, a man came to see me because something was really bothering him. He'd been having an affair with a woman at work. He and his wife had been happily married for over 25 years. She had no idea what was going on. He'd ended the affair several months prior, but was feeling weighed down with guilt. As his pastor, I formally heard his confession and granted him forgiveness. This man felt immediate relief. A great weight had been lifted. But I could still see that he had a question. After some heavy moments of silence, he asked, should I tell my wife? And that started a long conversation in which we considered what effect it would have on his wife and their marriage. He left agreeing to pray about it. I don't know what he finally decided but I did see them sitting side by side in church almost every Sunday for years afterwards. Like this husband, your conversation with God may be long and complicated. Well, why do all of this? Why put yourself through it? First, consciously admitting to things that we have done wrong can have the immediate effect of relieving guilt. It's a necessary first step 
for the healing of our souls. What's just as important is that when we have confessed and feel forgiven, we're less likely to commit the same offense again. Remember the story of the woman in the Bible who's about to be stoned for adultery and she's saved by Jesus' intervention? And you know the line. Jesus says, Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And after the mob had left and Jesus had forgiven the woman, he said, Now go and sin no more. Confessing and being forgiven our sins does not open the way for us to continue sinning. It opens the way for us to live better lives. After your confession, take some time to think about how you're going to avoid falling into that trap again. The awareness you have gained may help sustain you in future times of temptation. Okay, then there are sins of omission that we have to consider as we do our Mardi Gras inventory. What are the things that I have left undone during this past year? These sins are more subtle and difficult to detect. They're also easy to deny. Do the same as you did with your sins of commission. Have a conversation with God and confess the ways that you've fallen short. Many of us would have to confess not being as supportive to people around us as we should have been. There are times that we should have spoken up and spoken out. We see injustice around us because we're afraid what others might think. Think of the example of Jesus himself. He came from a small town where we are told he may have worked alongside his father as a carpenter. Now, he could have continued that life and never left Nazareth. Not much would have been expected of him. Nathanael, who would later become Jesus' disciple, when he was told where this prophet named Jesus came from, said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus could have avoided his pain and suffering. But think of what the world would be missing. What we would be missing if he hadn't lived up to his full potential, if he hadn't fulfilled his fate. Well, after you've compiled this second list, brainstorm some ideas of things that you can and need to do in the future. It may be as simple as being a good parent or friend or hard worker, more attentive to other people around you. Think of what you can do not what you can get away with. Also, think of the bigger things in life. Consider how you can contribute to your community, your country, your world, and devise a plan to do them. Mardi Gras, be a time to develop an action plan for life. It will be better at the end of our lives to look back and be grateful for what we did rather than regret the things that we failed to do. Now, at this point, you may be wondering how thorough you have to be in seeking out your sins. You know, the list is endless, especially when you talk about things that we've failed to do. The fact is that many, even most of our sins, we aren't even aware of. Some we may even be proud of, 
We human beings tend to be really good at self-justifying, but we're not the best judges. Confess, then, the sins that are unknown to you also, and let God do the rest. Believe me, there are some. God is the only true judge. Well, after you've done all this, you'll deserve a donut or a big stack of pancakes. Enjoy yourself, because the 40 days of Lent are upon us, and that's a try time when we try to live a simple and more sacrificial life. To keep the spotlight on our inner life. Let's hope that next year we can enjoy the full sense and celebration of Mardi Gras. But even then, part of what in the age of Corona we have come to call the new normal, we will look back again at the things we have done and left undone. Most importantly, know that you are forgiven. Let's pray. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your Spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life. Amen. Thank you for joining me. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you with mercy and forgiveness and give you peace. Just as I am, though time.
those pairs I